Yo, we are back once again with the Sports Bag Bros podcast, episode number four, four, four. If you can see all my fingers, four. I'm Trav, he's biased, not because he is biased, but that's his name, Bias, Lim Bias. He honors him that way. And we're going to get down to some sports. We're sports guys. We just want to talk a little bit of sports, have the conversation. Anything you bring to us, we'll have an answer for most of the time. But nevertheless, Let's get down to the bottom line. The Sports Bag Bros podcast has started episode four. We got a lot of things to talk about today. And you know what the number one thing is. The NBA Finals have started. Game two in Denver was just played yesterday. And here we are. Not 2-0. 1-1. The Miami Heat went into Denver as the dogs they have been throughout the entire playoffs. Not just underdogs, but the dogs that get the job done. They were able to handle the business, and now it is 1-1. And the way they went about handling their business, well, Bias is going to let you know how that went down because I was in a plane and couldn't watch the game until a little <laughs> bit afterwards where I just saw bits and pieces. Let them know something, Bias. Oh, man, it, it was a great game. Um, it, it was sort of strange, though. You know, the, the heat came out strong. The Nuggets came out a little flat. Um, Jokic noticed that the lead was increasing. He was like, no, it ain't happening. And Jokic went to work, kept him close. Um, strange thing was when Jokic went to the bench, um, Christian Brown and Bruce Brown, they led a charge and they took the lead and it looked like they were going to run away and hide. But Bam Adebayo came back in, Jimmy came back in. They got it down to six by the half. And third quarter, they, uh, you know, they got big contributions from Gabe Vincent. Um, early on, I forgot to mention Struess. Struess was four for seven in the first yeah. quarter from three-point range. You know, so he he got them going early. And they took the lead. And it looked like they were trying to extend the lead again. But then Jamal Murray showed he has dog in him. And he yeah, started absolutely. balling. And I was I was actually surprised he missed that final shot. I was like, the way he was rolling, he had hit some some big shots ready to cut the lead down. And that shot, it looked like it was going in when he let it go. But, you know, obviously he missed it. But, um, you know, for the Heat to steal game two like that, falling behind, I think it was 15 points in the second quarter, coming yeah. back. You know, I mentioned they're very resilient the other night. And they showed it again. They are a very resilient bunch. And it's going to be hard to put them away. They're going home now. They're confident. And we'll see how, how the Nuggets respond. Yeah, they took defeat out of the clutch. They took a, a win out of the clutches of defeat on the road. We talked about all of these things, including the altitude in Denver being a factor. But it seemed like that was not even a thing in the fourth quarter. They outscored them, I believe, by 11 points in the fourth quarter as they took the lead, one by three. But they weren't supposed to do that on the road against a team with all of those physical advantages and then the advantage, a real home court advantage with the altitude being it. Another thing is when you talked about how they came out flat. This is what we were just expecting in game one. Oh, coming right. out flat like this, 10 days <clears throat> off, no activity, just practicing, no continuity. Well, the continuity should have been off. But that's what happened in this game here. And it seems like Spo made the adjustments. The players made the adjustments. And the dogs they've been since the first time they got into these playoffs as an eight seed and moved forward, 
They took care of their business on the road, showing all of the fight. Now moving forward, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think we're going to be in for some good, good action. You know, he going home, Struess, uh, Vincent, hopefully Caleb Martin plays better. He only had one basket the other night, but it was a big basket. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they should play better at home. So we'll see, you know, how the Nuggets respond. You know, Christian Braun and, and uh, Bruce Brown, they gave him a spark in the second quarter, but not too much in, in the second half. So how are they going to perform on the road in Miami? You know, Jokic is going to do his thing. Murray's going to do his thing. What happened to Michael Porter Jr. last night? Yep, no shows. And you know what? And, and Miami now has a legitimate chance. I thought that, come on, they're not the better team, even though they do have dog. And now we're seeing now with them especially that being dog may be just enough. And then having your moments. I mean, 17 three-pointers, that's 51 points. And to win <laughs> by three points, you know that was the deciding factor because when you look at the statistics and try to find out what was the differentiating factor with a team on the road winning by three with that close of a margin of victory, you have to look at the numbers and see where did it come from. Denver pretty much dominated all of the other numbers or was ahead in some of the numbers or stayed close, but the defining number were those 17 three-pointers. 51 points and for a three-point lead, you know exactly where it came from. Where was the perimeter defense or was it just a, a night that they're going to be hot? Because you can't really expect that type of heat or that type of no, lack for back of a letter word, <laughs> unintended. But you can't expect that type of shooting to remain that hot, you know, moving along throughout the entire playoffs. But they needed it when they got it on the road. Now they go back home where they feel more comfortable. Tyler Hero may be back for game three. How does that change anything? Well, I just saw a little while ago, Tyler Hero says he's still feeling discomfort in his hand, and he's not sure he wants to mess with the rhythm. The, you know, the team's been on the roll, uh, but we'll see, you know, if he feels well enough to play, that'll be Spolster's call, not his. Now, with the Denver Nuggets obviously being the favorites going into this, and before the playoffs even started, I thought they would be the favorites because I believe they were the best team with the best record. Do they right. win on the road now in this environment with this kind of Miami defense, this type of Miami team, period? Because now we know that Miami has proven that they can win on the road. And <clears throat> now can Denver prove it against a team that has everything going their way at the right time? You know, going against, like, the Boston Celtics, the Heat got out of there with two wins. And so it was up to them to try to close it out in game four. They didn't do it. But with everything on the line, they went up to a historical place like Boston, a rabbit crowd against a team that wins at home, and they closed the show. Not only that, they kind of blew them out. Does Denver have the cojones? They have the talent, but the cojones, do those cojones travel from Denver to Miami? I think they do. I think they do. You know, um, Murray, like I mentioned earlier, Murray's a dog. Yeah, you know, he, is. he might have Butler hounding him. But Murray's going to go at it, no matter no matter who's guarding. You know, it doesn't matter where they're playing. Murray's going to try and get his. Jokic, Jokic can play on Mars, man. What, yeah. what are you going to do with Jokic? Um, it's going to be up to the supporting cast, Porter Jr., KCP, you know, Caldwell Pope. Yeah. I'm not even sure if he had any baskets yesterday. But he had two crucial fouls on three-point shots. You know, that stuff can't happen, especially on the road. 
Yeah, but what's this deal with Denver having these problems? Because even though they did sweep the Lakers, there were really times when the Lakers, which was definitely not the better team or should have been in the same stratosphere, was giving them problems and losing just close games. You know what I mean? That's led both of us to believe that the Lakers probably would have won one at home and they didn't do it, but they kept it close. This Miami Heat team is on a mission. I don't think that they allow this game to get out of hand. If anything, they may be the ones ahead at halftime or throughout the game. And if it comes down to it, well, I think the nod has to go to Miami on at home. If you know, if it gets to that point in this game, I don't think the I don't think either team's getting blown out. I just think when it comes down to it, with everything just going in Miami's favor, being at home and just being the hot team at the right time, they may just pull it off. And do they pull off two of these in a row and put? Denver in a real bad situation, a 3-1 situation. And we've seen how the Miami Heat handled that kind of a situation. Yeah, I don't know. Watching the game yesterday when the, the Nuggets were taking that big lead, I was thinking, wow, I picked them at six. This It may not go five. Um, yep. But but then, they, you know, you, you can't count your chickens in the second quarter. You know, the Heat proved that. But the Nuggets are talented enough to go on the road and get a W. If they win game three, we're looking at it a, a totally different way again, you know? Like we looked at it one way after game one, now we're looking at it differently after game two. Let's see what happens in game three. Yeah, I, I definitely think the Nuggets can win game three, but it, they can't make the same mistakes they, they made yesterday. They, they had bad turnovers, bad fouls, and you, you know, you can't, you're not gonna beat a team like that when they're shooting, what, 65% from three-pointers. Yeah. Outrageous. You know, you can't expect that to happen every time out, but even for it to happen at your house and get a win out of that as the best team in basketball, at least record-wise and now talent-wise, we're seeing that it's not even about talent all the time. I mean, these players are the highest, the most talented players in all of basketball on the planet. So there's kind of a thin line between what's great and what's good, at least right now. But being a dog is the freaking uh, – I know we keep saying it, but being a dog seems to be the difference between getting the wins and losses. And this is what Miami is doing right now. They're getting the wins because they're digging deep. It's not necessarily just skill. They're doing it on the offensive side. They're doing it on the defensive side. And they're being clutch when they need to be clutch. Guys are stepping up. It's not just the Jimmy Butler show anymore. You know to ex- what to expect from him, and you know he can get it done when he needs to get it done. But other players are stepping up as well. And Denver is going to have to match that. We're going to find out for sure. They should be on paper, but nothing's going on paper. With a bunch (laughs) of series now between these teams and even other teams. But nothing's going by paper because I was pretty much putting a nail in the coffin just last episode for this Miami team. You know, if they get blown (laughs) out by this, well, they should be gone by that. I did pick them to win the six games, lose the six games, but it might be sooner. Now we're talking about Denver could probably be 3-1 going back to Denver. Yeah, after game one, I was even thinking, man, it's too bad they made it close, you know, because everybody had to play to the end, and now they might not have the same energy they could have had they gotten blown out, you know. But they came out energized, playing with passion, and they gave a lot of effort early on especially. And uh, so having a close game in game one did not hurt them at all for game two. But uh, I want to mention people have been saying what happened playoff Jimmy. He's had seven bad games in a row. I don't know if it's seven bad games, but just because the man don't score 35 doesn't mean he's not playing well. He's playing solid defense. You know, he's hounding Murray. And in the fourth quarter, when his team needed buckets, it was Jimmy getting the buckets. 
Yeah, he only ended up with 19. But something I, I, I heard when I was young growing up, and I believe it. Don't tell me what you did. Tell me when you did it. Yeah, exactly. You know, Big Shot Bob, Bob Robert Ory, when did he do it? Oh. At the end of the game. He's not going to the Hall of Fame, but he has rings like everybody else. And his, his shots were the reasons for the season and championships. He did it at the right time. Why did they keep leaving him open? You would think after the first four or five. <laughs> In the, exactly. But you know what? He, he found a way open, and he always executed. He'll be known for that. That only, even though he had a pretty doggone, pretty solid career, he's going to be known for that, and that's a good thing to be yeah. known for. So, Definitely. So as far as Denver goes, you know, they have their work cut out for them now. Let's see what kind of dogs they have with any consistency. It's going to be hard to win in Miami. We already knew that, but we thought they'd be up 2-0 going into Miami. At least most of us did, you know, with the exception of probably the majority of Miami Heat fans who became fans in the past three weeks. You know, you know how that goes. Now, yeah. As far as these stats you're talking about, you know, Jimmy didn't do this. Jimmy didn't do that. You know, we're in an age now where you can just look at the stats and you can just go to assume that a player is great because of stats alone. You know, you can have a point guard scoring 63 points with two assists and you still call him a point guard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So this day and age, man, I mean, you know, there's so many other things he can do. They don't even talk about defensive stats and all of those other things he does that doesn't show up on the bucket list or as a bucket. And he's getting it done. And when he... <clears throat> They're on him trying to prevent him from being Jimmy Buckets. His teammates are now stepping up and giving him the backup that he needs so he can have a, a game that isn't Jimmy Butler-esque and they can still win as they did. Right. And I think the key to the series is going to be can the Heat stop Michael Porter Jr. from getting off? Yeah. Can they stop Caldwell Pope from getting off? And if they, they can keep those guys from going off and giving Jokic the help, that he and Murray need, they're going to make it very difficult because Jokic is going to feel the, uh, the need to score more. And, you know, he'll score 40, whatever, but most of them are going to be twos instead of Porter going for 25 with six threes or KCP having 20 with five threes. You know what I mean? So yeah. if they can if they can limit KCP, Porter Jr., and – and Brown, it, it's gonna it's gonna bode very well for them. You know the Jamal Murray thirty point plus game is probably gonna come at some point in these playoffs. He's he's gonna get there. And do they still win when he's doing that? And if he's getting his thirty plus points, is Jokic still gonna get his? Well, he averaged twenty four and a half for the season. Is he gonna get his twenty? He doesn't have to get that because he's so good on the floor and making his teammates better with fourteen assists, ten assists. Either triple-double, it's a legitimate. It's not a stat-filling triple-double. It's a substantive triple-double. You know, this isn't the Russell Westbrook triple-double. I mean, this, this is the, you know, the, the uh, real triple-double that helps a team when it matters in a championship setting. And he's doing just that right now. And before we move on to any other subjects, let's continue to remind people to welcome to the Sports Bag Bros podcast. I'm Trav. He's biased. We're going to try to get this done four days a week. Monday through Thursday, ultimately, we're going to do a live show that you, that you can participate in, and we can have the conversation of sports, regardless of what the sport is. I think the hot sport of the day has been doing this every day. It's going to get us to where we need to be, and it's going to be a talk that we can all partake in. So with that said, well, there's been rumors going on as of late, and one of those rumors happens to be, sticking with the NBA, Trey Young possibly teaming up with the Lakers and LeBron James. Is this a legitimate story or just 
something that's going on right now until these playoffs are over. And then we're talking about free agency and where people are moving in July. Looking at it from the Hawks' point of view, why would you want to make that trade? Who are they going to send you? Is Austin Reeves, Rudy Huchamora? And they can sign Austin Reeves to that contract? I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing out names. Okay, but I'm not sure that that would even help the Lakers. Yeah, they get another star, great shooter. But what helped the Lakers this year was their depth, yeah. right? And then if they're trading away some of that depth, that's going to hurt them. But, yeah. you know, there's free agency, and you still have the draft. We'll see what happens. But as far as – I don't see anything the Lakers could give the Hawks to make it worth their while to trade Trey. And on top of that, Trey with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you're going to need to play with more than one basketball. I mean, even though Anthony Davis may get injured and you might not need that extra basketball, but in the perfect world, those three guys, they could be considered a big three. Is LeBron still a big three at his age? I think going on 39 years old in December, he may still be part of a big three. He's still putting up points that others haven't. I don't think he's a compiler. He's simply trying to help his team wins, and he's on the team. So when he's getting his points and the team is winning because of it, is that just adding stats or is this guy part of the reason why they have to win? But anyways, with Trey Young, if he comes there, this is a guy who needs the ball a lot as well. You know, so I don't know how he meshes with that team anyway. You know, looking at these names and having chemistry, two different things. Yeah, and the Lakers, you know, they were a very good defensive team this year. You get Trey Young in there, yeah. I don't see him playing great defense. No. He's going to be just that offensive you know, like Jim Fred it was back in college with a bunch of offense and his slow legs and slow feet is the reason why he didn't have the big the NBA career he probably should have had. You know, that's just something I threw out there as far as um a, a rumor. And it's just that right now. And, and yeah, I've been seeing that. I've been seeing that on the Internet as well. And it just doesn't make much sense to me, really for either team. Yeah. And, and as far as talking about people who are tra- changing team for team, how about going into the world of sports talk with Uncle Shay Shay and Skip Bayless no longer together? What's next for either guy? Shay Shay first. He's no longer going to be on Undisputed. Skip Bayless, is he still going to be with Undisputed? I don't know yet. I'm telling you, as I really don't know because I don't know if they're going to just get rid of the entire program or is Shay Shay just leaving and they're going to have Skip Bayless team up with someone else. That would be my assumption. I, I'm pretty sure that's Skip's show. Undisputed is Skip's show. That's pretty much why Shannon is leaving. Um, so I think Skip's going to pick who he wants, and the show will continue with whoever he picks. Now, is he going to pick another strong-minded individual like Shannon that he's going to bump heads with eventually? with, Or is he going to pick a weaker-minded person, which is going to make a, for a uh, a weaker show. If he's going to have a former athlete, he's probably going to have a stronger person. I mean, a person that's just as strong as him or tries to be stronger because you know these former athletes aren't going to let someone like Skip Bayless just say what they say. <laughs> just like Shay Shay didn't let him say what he wanted to say and get away with it. You know, I think Shay did his own damage to himself as well. But, you know, you know, Skip he Bayless went- is a media guy. He's a wannabe guy that played basketball in high school. He has his Paul. He has his, uh, his Al Bundy stories about playing ball and you know and, and it's like he's trying to be vicarious about you know live vicariously through what he should have been 
That's how it seems like, you know, and, and these athletes aren't going to let him get away with it. But who would be the guy that sits across from him that can also bring the charisma and the knowledge and, you know, get the buzz that that um, Shannon Sharp had gotten? I don't know, but I, I just, it just came to me. He went with an offensive football player and Shannon maybe goes defense football player this time. Maybe somebody like Terrell Suggs, you know, he got into it with Terrell Suggs after that uh, Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, Terrell was telling, he was telling Terrell he had a bad game and Suggs was telling him, man, you don't even know what my job was, man. You don't know if I did my job or not. What, what do you mean I had a bad game? Kaepernick didn't get around outside. That was his job, containment. You know, Skip was talking like he knew something. Suggs had a school. Yeah, that's the truth, man. But I can also see there's a fine line between being someone who observes and allegedly a professional who allegedly knows what he's seeing because you're a media type, but you never played the game. Now, I don't believe completely all the time that you have to play the game to know what you're talking about. Because as long as you know how to put sentences together, you know what you saw, you just tell people what you saw. You know what I mean? That type of thing happened to me because I was in media. And I remember when the Jaguars played the Steelers, I believe it was a Monday night game, and Marcus Stroud was getting manhandled by Alan Fanica. I mean, he was pushing him through aisle 10 of the frozen food section at Walmart like a, in a shopping cart. That's how he was pushing <laughs> him around. And I just mentioned it in the press box, and people started talking about it. After the game and the Jaguars lost, it was a hard-hitting game, one of the hardest-hitting games I've ever been. And this was from the press box. And I get to the locker room, and Marcus Stroud and I always had a pretty solid relationship, professional relationship, not being homeboys, that kind of thing. But we always talked, spoke to each other respectfully. And I got in the locker room, and I asked him, hey, you know, I saw you had a little bit of a problem with Alan Fanica tonight. He just blew, he just lost it, man. He, act, he spoke to me like I was like he never saw me before. He just pretty much cursed me out. What the hell are you talking about, bruh? <laughs> and he's a big dude. I'm like, bruh. And he's just going off in front of other media, media telling me about, you know, no, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. Did you watch the game? You know, the usual things they say, bro, you lost the game. <laughs> Apparently, I watched it and you pissed off about what happened. You know what I mean? I don't go to Walmart like that. But anyways, but um, you might have just had bad timing. timing. You know, if it, you it's asked bad him timing, exactly. Because a couple of days <laughs> later, I came out to the locker room. It's not like he apologized. He's like, what's up? That's it kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I understand how people can get emotional like that. And so Terrell Suggs going out to skip Bayless over something like that. I can see how that, that can go. But I can also see Suggs part of the argument. You don't know what my assignment is. Maybe in practice all practice every all week, they say, Keep that guy right there. Keep him right there. Don't let him get out. Don't let him get out. And guess what? He didn't get out. And But then something might have happened to Suggs, or he might have made an excellent play anyway, uh, Kaepernick or whoever he's going against. And you don't see it as an observer. So you're just looking at it as he made a good play in front of you rather than he didn't get to the outside, which was the game plan. Right. Yeah, so I, I don't know what Skip's going to do. There's a lot of people out there he could pick from. He, he, he might pick somebody out of left field that no one's even thinking about. He just has to wait. Doesn't make a quality show because where does he go from here? I mean, he's synonymous with Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp was always the one that people knew. I mean, it was football people in the beginning. But, you know, Shannon talks about basketball, as we know from Kwame Brown. He talks about boxing. He talks about other sports. He's trying to be well-rounded. You know, I remember Bart Scott a football player up in the New York area because he was a Jet after being a Baltimore Raven. And he was like, I'm not talking baseball in New York, bro. You cannot say that. You can't say, oh, I'm not talking baseball, just football. <laughs> your, your career will be over in a minute. 
you better talk baseball. You better get some hockey in here too. But anyway, you know, does he what he was synonymous with he and Shannon Sharp were synonymous synonymous with, with the show. Do they rebrand it? Do they keep undisputed? Because you're still gonna thank Shannon Sharp even when the new person comes in. I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think they'll change the name. Like I said, I, that's Skip show. You know, there's reports that Skip uh he chose all the topics even when he was off. Like, you know, I'm not gonna be there today, but this is what you're talking about. So yeah, that's Skip that show. That's Skip show. So why would he change the name? Well, I mean, I because the brand was made with those two, even though it was Skip show, the ratings are there a lot. In my opinion, I don't think people come to hear Skip. They see the banter between <laughs> these two, and they know that he's going to get eviscerated by Shannon Sharp. So, and people like seeing him get it put in his place. And I think that's you know just as much as the show as their knowledge and, and everything else. So, because you know, Kwame Brown calls him a Dracula face guy, so you know he's not the favorite guy. <laughs> so, and he's not the only one thinking like that. They think that he's some dude that's made his living off of talking about athletes and after degrading athletes. And he's whining about it now because Charles Barkley has been coming after him for a long time and to a point where he feels he has to respond. And his wife feels he has to respond to all that crap. But I, I just don't know who would be the next guy to come, whether it's an offensive guy, defensive guy. I think that's immaterial. You need to have <laughs> someone who can go back and forth with him and make him pay because that's what fans want to see. They want to see him pay for his takes. That's very true. Um, I only said defensive guy because, you know, Shannon was the offense and it worked yeah. out. So give, give a defensive guy a shot. And it's, um, it's more exciting when an offensive person does it anyway. I mean, not that defensive players are boring, but offense is offense. Everybody loves They come to the game. They <laughs> set up all the rules. Of the we're, talking about, we're talking about a Ravens defender, man. That, that's different from just a regular defensive player. Bring it Ray Lewis. <laughs> I don't think Skip would want to <laughs> say anything then. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. I would watch. I would definitely watch. You know, oh, yeah. If, if Ray Lewis was, was there, I don't think he says as much. I mean, come on. No one's getting into a fight on the television. You know what I mean? But what's been, what can be done behind the scenes is what's going to decide how people react or how the two react on the air. Because if there's a few threats made or a few harmful words said, you know, behind the scenes, people don't come out the same anymore. If you let yourself be known, <clears throat> And what you expect from this person, you let them know, I'm not going to be disrespected like that. You need to watch yourself. <laughs> the words aren't going to come out the same when you're yeah, on he, the air. You better not pick Antonio Brown then. Oh, this bro, <laughs> Antonio Brown is gone. I think, the, the, look, I'm no doctor, but you know what? The signs of CTE, you can only know after someone passes away. But he is so erratic, and these are the symptoms of CTE. He's erratic, and I don't want to just jump to conclusions, but he's done it so often with so many different circumstances that there may be some truth to him having something wrong because of his NFL career or just because of his personality. And I've heard stories about him having issues even in college. So, and it's not like you can't have possible. It, I mean, that's possible. But then what's the excuse for Kanye? For Kanye West? Yeah. Oh, I don't know what his issues are. You know, he don't have CT. You know, he was. We, we don't know that. You know, how many I'm just saying, geez, you don't necessarily know that AB is just not out there. Oh, you know what? But at least you know. I, I think you can say that he's probably bipolar. If you had some diagnosis or whatever, he may be bipolar. So if that's his reasoning, but at least it's something official. Antonio Brown is still just Antonio Brown. I don't believe anyone's come out with any type of. He's probably bipolar. 
it's almost like straight to CTE because he was an <laughs> NFL player and you saw the things that he was doing, the hits that he's taken. And um, what was the hit that he had taken that seems like he hadn't been the same since that hit? Um, with the, I think with the Bengal play that hit him, forgot his dog on. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was the hit that he had taken. And, and from many, I guess, in hindsight, they start saying, you know what? He hasn't been the same since that hit. Is this the reason? Now, CTE doesn't come from one hit. You know, it's, it's over the course of time. You know, but anyways, Antonio Brown, come on. That, you, just remind, you, the door. you just reminded me of Lynn Swan getting beat up by the Raiders, clotheslines and, and whatnot, and he seems to be fine. Oh, you know, it affects different people because we can go back to our sport of boxing and Willie Pep fighting all of these fights. And, and and he doesn't have the same effect as someone else who's four less. You know, Tommy Hearns is slurring his speech. Or you look at someone like uh, Meldrick Taylor slurring his speech with a not even a third of the fights that Woody Peppers had. Even though he was a defensive guy, he's been knocked out before. He's taken a whole lot of hits. We're talking about the sparring. All of those things that go into it, you know, to having a long boxing career like those guys had. Henry Armstrong wasn't slurring his speeches like that either. He had a whole bunch of fights as well. You know what I mean? So I guess it, people react to it differently. Michael J. Fox never fought before, but he did play some hockey and he has, you know, Parkinson's. You know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. Ali had Parkinson's syndrome. So there's a difference between the two. But the bottom line is, you know, that the brain, their brains are, are separate and they get different results from whatever punishment they've taken or any trauma they've had. Right. You know, but you, you mentioned Pep. He was very defensive. Yeah. Hey, Meldrick Taylor, not very defensive. Let his no. hands go. Took a lot of punishment. Um, Tommy that Hearns. One fight could be the that one fight could be responsible. That Chavez fight. Bro, he, come on. No one could be the same after that. Yeah, I mean, considering the injuries he had that night, you know, broken eye socket, swallowed three pints of blood, pissed blood, all that. And the brain trauma. I mean, the punches, when they had it on a legendary night, oh, you can hear the punches. But you can't see. Bone crusher punches, as Richard Steele said. I mean, <clears throat> he had a lot of heart, but that brain trauma does matter. But anyway, I think that Antonio Brown, you know, for it, people may want him on there because he can go back and forth with Skip, and there's always going to be that element of him actually getting up and beating Skip up on air because he can't control himself. <laughs> and that's worth the price of admission in some people's mind. But I just don't see him being the guy. But we'll ultimately have and Jim Everett. Or Jim Everett, Jim, Jim Rome. Jim Rome. <laughs> Man, I don't even know if, if that was staged or if that – and it wasn't even anything big. It just pushes him over. Yeah, you know, I mean, Chris put him over the chair. You know what I mean? And that he, was, he, felt, he felt better afterwards, I'm sure. He, oh, he, he got, sure felt better. He got the Jim point Rome. across. And Jim Rome's a little – a shorter dude, a little dude. I mean, <laughs> you probably wouldn't look at the television and know it for sure. You know, I've seen him a couple of times on radio – I saw him on Radio Row at the Super Bowl when he was here. And little dude, I mean, a lot of these guys are little dudes. And I guess that's why they run their mouths the way they do. But anyway, once again, this is Tribe. He's biased. This is the Sports Bag Bros Podcast, episode number four. Put that four up there again. Four. And we'll try to do this four times a week, Monday through Thursday, when we start doing it live. We'll do it around 9 o'clock Eastern time. So if you want to get your feel of the sports day and things looking forward, we have a lot that we're going to get into throughout the entire time we do this podcast. You can go to our YouTube channel, which you may be right now, if you can see this, Sports Bag Brothers Podcast, whatever episode, but just subscribe to the channel, give us a thumbs up, like the channel, 
liking the channel helps the algorithm more than the subscriptions themselves. Or you can go to Spotify because the podcast is also on Spotify. So download that. I'll have the links in the description if you want to download that on your long trip. Because sometimes this is a long show. We're not trying to be long-winded for the sake of it. We're trying to give you the information that you're going to need in order to go through your sports day. Because four times a week is a, a big part of the sports week. So why not do that? And with that said, you know, we got through Skip Bayless. We got through Uncle Shay Shay. Let's talk just a small bit about the baseball. Aaron Judge hitting the wall or gate, hurting his toe, missing a game because of it. What kind of players do we have these days? Hey, man, that's a big guy to have with injured yeah. toe. Uh, you know, I have I have a very good friend. He, he broke his pinky toe. <laughs> he had to cut out. Had to cut out. Bro. The, the part of his shoe to relieve some pressure. You know, hey, toes ain't nothing to mess with, man. They are, man. Six seven, trying to run around uh, shag fly balls in the outfield. <laughs> uh, hey, take take a day off, man. Yeah, he did. And then um, Aaron Boone's like, well, we give him treatment for his foot. My man's a, over a quarter billion dollar contracts, a tall as hell, big as hell, play, making big plays. I mean, he's like, right now, he and Atani, again, all the MVPs of the AL right now, you know, this early in the season, you know, just depends on what's going to happen after the All-Star break. We get to see who's really going to fall into the play. But God, man, this guy, I don't want to see that. He's too big to be banging into walls, but it's nice to know that he can run that way and that he's fearless in doing it and that he's doing anything to make a play. But we've seen what it's done to smaller guys like Ken Griffey Jr. That type of play really kind of ended his career or shortened his career. Making those kind of plays, running into walls, falling down, diving, getting hurt, and it had nothing to do with hitting the ball. Yeah, he, he's got to try and be more aware of his surroundings out there. He, you know, when you hit the warning track, you know you're coming up on that wall. So, <laughs> as you would think, the outfielders know they're coming up on the wall. So, yeah, he, he should try and avoid those type of uh, uh, crashes with doors and swinging fences or whatever the case may be. And there will be fans out there if he did decide to be timid when something like that happens the next time, they're going to be upset with him. They need to go out, you know, especially if it leads to some type of runs that that causes a loss. I can see them complaining because fans are never going to be happy. You can give your very best and do well giving your best and they'll applaud you. The one time you don't give them what they want, they call you the biggest bum. And that's just how sports goes. But, you know, you have over a quarter billion dollars in your bank account. That's guaranteed money. And you're living up to it so far. You know, even the, the obnoxious New York fans, which I'm one of, we, you know, we're still going to say nonsense about it. So with that said, you know, we're just moving on a little bit. Just had to do a little Aaron Judge. Real quick, since, real quick, since your uh, Yankees going to play in my White Sox, just want to give a shout out to Liam Hendricks. Uh, he got his first victory after coming back from uh, non-Hodgkins. Uh, oh, really? I didn't, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, he pitched Sunday in the eighth inning, got a 1-2-3, and then the side scored in the oh, – maybe it was the ninth. Yeah, he scored – he pitched the ninth. They scored in the bottom of the ninth, so he got the W. Oh, wow. So they and it was on National Cancer Day or something like that. So See, and I, I, I think we hear about cancer so much these days that not that we take it for granted. We don't think about the grind that goes into it, especially if you're an athlete. You know what I mean? And then coming back to play on the highest level. I mean, there's so many levels to baseball when you get to the major leagues. Yeah, we know it's the highest plateau. But to come back from something like that, 
Cancer, I mean, I've seen it personally up front close and saw what cancer can do to an individual. And this person in particular didn't make it through. But I just know going through the process of the chemo and all of the rehab and then getting into a sport like baseball pitcher, which is a very stressful position. You have to use your power and, and you know, your mental toughness to get through your own pitching and to come back. Hey, nothing but props to him. And I'm glad he's able to get back to doing what he loves freaking doing, which is playing baseball, man. And we're still in the first week of June. Most White Sox fans would not have expected him back this early. You know, maybe July, August. He he came back really quick. So, you know, shout out to him. He worked really hard. And at the moment, he's cancer-free. So, you know, that's a good thing. And that's always the plus right there when you're cancer-free, man. It's just, I mean, there isn't much more I could say about how, you know, we all know we don't need a, a brain surgeon tells us what cancer can do and how bad it is, but to be able to come back and fight it, the fight itself is exhausting. So let alone after the fight, trying to get everything back on track and then trying to go back to what you used to be. In regular life, it's still difficult to do. So let alone doing something super phenomenal as baseball or being a professional athlete on the highest levels. I mean, it reminded me of some of these players who just had COVID back during the bubble time and they were coming back to the NBA still trying to play. You know, before we realized how difficult it really was. And people yeah. complaining, so-and-so had COVID three weeks ago. Why is he still feeling this way? <laughs> I, I had COVID in 2021. There's still oh, remnants I, now. Yeah, <laughs> so did I. I'm, you know, I have this speed bag in my garage. And the first time That's I right. went out to hit yeah. First time I went out to hit it, and like, I felt windy much sooner than I normally did. I was like, man, I don't feel right. You know, I, I had a, a playlist that I would play. And it was 12 songs long, and I was I wouldn't stop until the 12 song finished. Yeah. Man, I only got through seven songs. I was like, man, I can't believe how tired I am. Yep. It's always no joke. No, it's no joke. And it has that residual effect because, you know, back I did some running back in 2006. I ran a 15K. No training at all. Just went out there and ran it. And dumb decision. Still got it done. But now I'm about to do another race this Saturday. And it's just a lousy 5K, just a little over three miles. And I've been working to try to get it. And, and my cardio is the only thing that won't cooperate. And it finally kind of hit today where the cardio is starting to feel normal. But it has more to do with my pace than the actual cardio just getting phenomenally better. But the bottom line is I just, I just want to get it done and be reasonable while getting it done. Now, I know COVID has a lot to do with that because I remember I could run forever <clears> and the cardio never was a problem. It's, you know, it's still there. It's a lingering issue right now. And getting into cardio, boxing is the sport where cardio is needed most. Your aerobic and anaerobic and boxing. I know MMA is one of the kind of the song, the same thing, but boxing in particular. And with boxing, we could talk about Floyd Mayweather this Sunday taking on the grandson of the dapper Don, John Gotti, the late John Gotti, the mafia boss, the Gambino crime family. His son or grandson, John Gotti the third is going to take on Floyd Mayweather, I believe, in Sunrise, Florida, somewhere down in the South Florida area, in a boxing exhibition, which Floyd has been known for over the past now several years. I think Gotti, he's fought MMA before. He has one loss. He's 2-0 and as a boxer, and he claims he's going to be the one to finally yeah. give the people what they wanted to see. And this is a Floyd Mayweather loss, whether he's a prime guy or not. Some people just want him to lose so they can hold it <laughs> over his head because they know his ego's 100% tied into being undefeated. You. If Floyd's on, if Floyd gets beat, bro, his his life is over. And for him, you know what I mean? To him, he thinks even as a, a retired 
guy have exhibitions. A loss to him would just, just destroy his ego. But I don't think it's happening. The, I, how is how is he going to lose? There's no, they're not scoring. It's an exhibition. If he gets knocked out, then yeah, maybe no. I can see. But he's not going to get knocked out. No. no, I don't think he's going to get knocked out. He still has savvy in there. He's still a muscle memory alone can do enough to get back, you know, just just to get by the amount of rounds, whatever rounds they're doing. I thought it was, just thought it was something to mention. You know, what do you think about these exhibitions that Floyd's having? I don't really don't think there's anything wrong with it because it's one of those supply and demand issues. If you don't want to see Floyd Mayweather in these exhibitions, well, don't pay for it. And if enough people don't pay for it, well, he won't be able to put these exhibitions sure. on because he's getting five and ten million dollars for these kinds of fights. Don't watch it. So many people so-called don't like him, but they still into that. I want to see him <laughs> and they'll pay for it. You pay for his lifestyle. Right, giving him more money. Yeah, yeah I haven't money. even He's doing it. I haven't heard much about this exhibition. I don't plan to watch it. Yeah, let me uh, unless something happens, I won't even look for highlights on YouTube. But <laughs> I mean, more power to him. If Floyd wants to do it, why not? You know, it was working working for Julio Cesar Chavez. You know, he had some great uh, exhibition fights with Jorge Arce. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they they provided a lot of excitement. But Floyd's not going to fight like that. Nope. But, you know, Floyd does what he wants to do. So, if people, like you mentioned, if, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Don't pay for it. Pay for it. If, you're, if you like Floyd, then pay for it and watch it. Yeah, I have no problem with Floyd doing this kind of thing. Like I said, if you don't want to watch it, you don't have to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. I don't think it's anything big. If he gets knocked down, you know, I'll just get there for the meme. That's it. <laughs> but, but anyway, I think that, look, <clears throat> no, one, he's not the first one. You mentioned Chavez and whatnot, but that's a different style of fighter. But, you know, you mentioned these other people that, you know, that had their exhibitions. Muhammad Ali had exhibitions and no one complained about it. He fought a wrestler in Antonio Inoki and got his shins, like, busted up. You know, yeah. it, it, was, it was a farce. And we've seen Joe Lewis in the wrestling ring having exhibitions. We've seen other fighters. I mean, even Muhammad Ali once again fighting Lalo Zato, the football player from the Raiders. You know, and he tried to get serious with Ali until he realized he was in there with a world-class athlete. Yeah. So we, this he's not the one that's desecrating boxing. It's not even a desecration. It's just an option and a choice he chose to make to do something. And he's getting paid for it. Why not? In his retirement. It's not even going on in his official record. So if something were to happen, such as him losing, quote unquote, and getting knocked out, if that did happen, it's not going on his official record. It's just stuff for people who wanted to see it all of these years he was active, who didn't get their wish. It's something for them to get happy about. That's all it is. But he's making the money in the meantime, but it's going to be less and less money because there's fewer and fewer people that the crowd really wants to see him. They don't want to see him too much. So there, this John Gotti name, it was big in the New York area, Connecticut, Jersey, New York, the tri-state area. Around the country, it was kind of sort of big for wannabe gangsters. But that's not the name that really buzzes. That's why I think that, you know, a lot of these transplanted you know, York. You know what might draw some interest? What? If he had an exhibition against Spotify. You know, you know what? All those all this haters out there is like, give Spotify a shot. Give Spotify a shot. You know what? Why not? Because he doesn't want to fight real boxers, and he hasn't really fought real boxers. I, mean, I have no idea what man, kind of shape Spotter 4 is in these days, but, hey, <laughs> if he wants a little payday, get in the ring with Floyd. Oh, 
for people who know boxing, you know that video is going to pop up. If those two ever made a decision, decide they want to fight, that video is going to pop up. Those two sparred <laughs> way back in the day. Had nothing to do with anything, but Floyd was getting his, getting handled in that business. And, um, you know, he made the reasoning, you know, I wasn't in shape. Uh, you know, people are But you know about, about what I'm thinking of, these retired fighters having exhibitions. Marcellus Wallace said in Pulp Fiction to Butch, boxers don't have an old-timers day. Well, some some are, some are now. Well, their old timers day is when they finally get beaten up badly. Muhammad Ali had an old timers day against Larry Holmes, <laughs> bro. That's the worst time to find out. It's an old timers day, and then again against Trevor Burbank in his last fight. You know, all of these older boxers that is their their old timers day when they realize they shouldn't have been in the ring probably five years previous, or even Roy Jones just losing again, another old timers day fight. You know, there you go. yeah, he fought Tyson. So I mean, that was like an old timers day. Yeah, and then his, his most recent fight, he lost a ten round. I didn't even know he fought. Yeah, he, exactly. He fought another guy, uh, an MMA guy. I think who, who was making his. Pro he lost game. an MMA guy. Yeah, he lost oh, to an God. MMA guy, bro. bro. Come on, man. Look, for people who want to make the comparison MMA and boxing, if you want to use it against a, a almost sixty year old fighter to make your case, bro, come on now. And it was in a boxing ring, so it wasn't an MMA fight. But Roy shouldn't be in the ring. And, you know, he says, I do it for the people. Which people? I never even knew you was fighting. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, and I'm giving the people what they want to see. They didn't want to see you lose. They showed up because they thought you were going to win. Not, but, not, the ones, not the ones who tried to organize a Roy Cop back in the, in the day, is it? Oh, Roy <laughs> I know, right? Now, well, we got what we got with that, man. But, yeah, I just wanted to touch on Floyd Mayweather going against the Dapper Don, the Teflon Don, John Gaddy's. A grandson, John Gotti III, this Sunday down in South Florida. I think it's Sunrise or somewhere down in that area, which is by Fort Lauderdale, Miami. And we'll see what happens. We'll get some results. It's a Sunday fight, so or a Sunday event. I don't know if it's going to be a fight. And so finally, we can talk about a little bit of college football to end the show. College football <clears throat> is coming up. This is June, so July, all of the college football starts popping with the media days. The NFL starts with their camps next month as well, but we have SEC Media Day, ACC Media Day, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, all these media days, even SWAC and MIAC on the lower levels of college football having their media days next month in July. And coming along with that, well, there was a ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame, honoring, obviously, some of the better college football players. It doesn't matter what they did in the NFL. This is the College Football Hall of Fame. Tim Tebow's in it. And we know what his NFL career was, so we know it doesn't have anything to do with pro success. And on the ballot, you saw Mike Vick and Larry Fitzgerald. Obviously, no-brainers. Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald, for sure, no-brainer. You know, he had uh, two 1,000-yard receiving, receiving yard seasons. Uh, he was a runner-up for the Heisman, won the Belitnikoff, the Walter Camp. You know, he, yep. he has the accolades. Michael Vick, I don't know if he's a no-doubter. You know, he did it one season. He was a one-time All-American. Does that constitute Hall of Fame? You know, he, he didn't well, do it for, for three seasons. Well, I think because of the way he did it as a true I'm not freshman, saying he's not a Hall of Famer. I'm just saying I don't know if he's a slam dunk. I think he's a slam dunk because of the way he went about it because in his freshman year, redshirt freshman year, I mean, they went to the national championship game and took on a phenomenal Florida State team where Peter Warwick was on that Florida State team. And 
I mean, he was the reason why they were even there. And he was the reason why they were even competitive in that game. And I think that he, he really showed up. And that's what put him on the public consciousness as a player playing in that Florida State game because that was back when Florida State had nothing but athletes. It was Florida State. It was Miami. It was Florida that had nothing but blazing speed. Of course, you had Nebraska that had teams like that with Florida players on it. And, you know, so for him to come out of somewhere small and lowly like that Virginia Tech team, I mean, they were, they were a good team, but they weren't expected to do what they did against Florida State. They were supposed to have gotten blown out. And he alone had Florida State just running around like a bunch of chickens with their heads off. <laughs> and you know, and then in the following season, you know, I think he had the little injury when he against James Madison, he was pushing to a brick wall, and I think he hurt his wrist. And you know, the, the season was still good enough to make him a first round pick in the NFL draft, the first pick overall. So yeah, yeah. I, think- I mean, he, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know what the criteria is for college football players. I just know when I'm looking at when I looked at the list, some were like one one time All Americans. Peter yeah. Ward, who, who you mentioned, he was a two-time All-American, so yeah. that tells me he should be in before most of those guys that were on the list. But, you know, yeah. you have some some uh, great names on there, like Dan Hampton, Jerome Brown. Yep. Dan um, Hampton, why why is he not in? I mean, this is a long time ago Dan Hampton's played. I, I don't mean, know. He, he, his uh, college days were before my time, so I can't really speak on it, but – I mean, he was a high draft pick, so he had to have shown something. And Jerome Brown, I watched Jerome Brown myself, so I already know why is he not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, normally people get in posthumously because they of the what had happened when they died, but he was already a great player before going to the Philadelphia Eagles. He was becoming a great player when he got killed in that car accident with his, I think, his nephew right. during that time. So I don't know why he's not in there. Then you know, yeah, you have other, been, other what, names. Thirty years. It's been like 25, 30 years, Yeah, right? he died, I believe, 1992. I think it was 92 or 93 he had passed. Because I remember seeing it in the um, the, the Sun Sentinel at the at the stop sign. It just said, Jerome Brown died. I got out the red light and got a newspaper and kept back in the car. <laughs> I like, yo, wait a minute, what? But, um, but anyways. I, the, I, the, I, I love the, that. Uh, I love his KKK story. Did you oh, hear yeah, that? I remember that story. I read that in Sports Illustrated <laughs> as well. Yeah, man. You know how he came out there. And Jerome Brown's a different breed. Shut that, shut that, uh, that, what do you want to call it? Uh, that gathering down. Do what? He shut that gathering down. Oh, yeah, he did. You know what I mean? Two, he was a 300-pound guy. You know, back then, there weren't a whole lot of 300-pound guys. You had the fridge that played in Chicago. He was like a celebrated 300-plus-pound guy that was doing kind of crazy things. But, you know, Jerome Brown was a big dude when he played for Miami. He was that militant attitude guy that set the tone for the rest of the team. You know, we already know what he did against Penn State before they lost in that Fiesta Bowl. But, you know, they walked off the stage. They came into fatigues. He was the leader of the bunch. But there's also some other names on that list that obviously didn't have great pro careers or maybe had solid pro careers, but this is a college list. So you look at these names, and um, Jerome Brown, we mentioned Rocky Kalmus, another linebacker Oklahoma. He had a bunch of tackles. He was one of those guys that you kind of knew wasn't going to go to the NFL and be a great player because of his size. But as a college player, he was a tackling machine like that win was for Texas A&M. Right. Yeah, he was was a big part of that Oklahoma defense. Oh, absolutely. Huge. And that's when they had a real – I mean, they had that – a sick defense. I mean, that's 
because now the defense isn't what it once was, looking at the, some of those Texas games. But Kajana Carter was another one from Penn State. Uh, I, I believe he got injured. He got number one pick by the Bengals, got injured, and I believe his first preseason game was never absolutely the same anymore after that. But I do remember him as a college player. I remember the time he ran in the Rose Bowl, first time touching the ball, 80 yards against Oregon, touchdown in the Rose Bowl. He had that talent. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, DJ Joe Dozier was on that list. Uh, yeah. He's on, I should say, a guy I grew up um, watching, Russell Carter from SMU. I remember him being a bad dude. He's on the, he's on the ballot. Yeah, so yeah, Exactly. We just got a lot of names. I think that people have to understand that we're talking the college to the, not NFL, but college. Even though you say it, there's still going to people, you know, he didn't do anything as an NFL player because I saw an argument like that just last week about Tim Tebow just being trash as an NFL player. You know what? He, he won a playoff game. I mean, even though he was the reason why they were down, he got them back out of the mix and they won a playoff game. But his college career, there are going to be many Tim Tebow's, if any kind of Tim Tebow's in the college ranks again. Tommy Frazier, there's never going to be another guy like him when he played for Nebraska. You know, he didn't have an NFL career because of the blood clots. But as a collegiate player, one of the best option quarterbacks, if not one of the best football players on offense in college football for that Nebraska team. Ken Dorsey is another guy that, you know, even though I'm a Cade fan, I look at him and I was like, well, he played on the team that arguably had the most talent than any NFL, any college team in the history of freaking college football. And this includes <laughs> those USC teams. This includes that championship Texas team. That was a ridiculous team they had down there. And even with that being said, he completes about 58% or less of his passes with one of the best offensive lines you could possibly have. Brian McKinney never gave up a sack in his entire life as a football player until he got to the pros. Brett Romberg, an All-American at center. Joaquin Gonzalez at the right tackle. And he's still skipping balls to players. That's my problem with him. Still like Ken. <laughs> he's still a Kane, but come on, man. That's <clears> the <throat> reason why he was as great as you were. Yeah, I, I don't know if Ken Dorsey's going to get the vote. He'll get the vote because of that team. You know what I mean? He, he he was on that team, and that team was just so stacked. And then, of course, Dallas Clark, another one, Iowa tight end, excellent player. I mean, I like that he ended up going to the Colts. A lot of good names on the ballot. Yeah, excellent names. Marco Coleman, the only reason why I mentioned him, he was on that Georgia Tech team that split the title with Colorado. And Eric Bieniemy, another name on that list, was on that team as well. And um, right. and I knew Marcus Coleman, Marco Coleman, when he was here in Jacksonville. You know, he was a number one pick by the Miami Dolphins. He was a radio guy here in Jacksonville. We used to go to the same gym, so we spoke about a couple of things. But, you know, nice names to have. And um, those two lead names we started off with, Mike Vick and Larry Fitzgerald, in my opinion, both absolutely deserving. In your opinion, I think Fitzgerald's damn sure legitimately deserving, whereas Mike Vick, uh, you can live or die by it. But, you know. It's, maybe, maybe not first ballot. Yeah, maybe not first ballot for you. From what I've seen, you know, he did have that game against Temple at the old Veterans Stadium in Philly, that raggedy stadium on a rainy day. I saw, I think it was against uh, Temple, and he had to make a big play to win that game. So anyways, that's going to be it for us today. The Sports Bag Brothers podcast episode number four is going to come to an end tonight. We went over a number of conversations, a number of topics in the sports world, and we'll be back again the following day with episode five, doing a lot of the same thing. We're not going to repeat this because we're expecting new things tomorrow. And we put in some work to know these new things. So, Bias, any final words on this? No, just uh, we'll see you tomorrow night.
Yep, see you tomorrow night. And also check out, we're on Spotify, Sports Bag Bros Podcast. Doesn't matter which episode, just go there. I will download the link and put it into the description. And if you're on YouTube, like you should be if you're watching this, well, make sure you subscribe to the channel. But more importantly, give us a thumbs up. That thumbs up helps the algorithm more than anything. It gets this message out to other people. And we need more sports people in our lives so we can have the conversation with the masses, not just us going back and forth. So for Trav, for Bias, thanks for joining our show. And we will see you again, well, in episode five.